podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Time to fire up the grill. Time to go to Total Wine and find the perfect flavor to pair with those burgers. Ooh, I love their beer cooler. <laughs> you love their prices even more. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. Hey, imagine if all your frustrations about advertising your business could be solved right now. You should know that podcast listeners are more engaged in higher converting than any other advertising medium. So try AdHub today and reap the rewards of Spreaker's self-advertising platform. It makes it as effortless as ever to be heard by thousands, regardless of the listening app they use. Visit Spreaker.com forward slash AdHub. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com forward slash AdHub and start using your advertising dollars in an impactful way. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cop Table podcast, where tonight we are going to be doing a review of the past three or four games that Liverpool have had. Then we're going to be moving on to a preview of the Manchester City game and all else thrown in between. So joining me once again is Jay Riley. You can catch Jay on Twitter at the Cop HQ. Give him a follow on there and uh, regular on the Cop Table with us. So. How are you, Jay? It's been a, been a few weeks since we've done the podcast. Yeah, um, we've had some good results, haven't we, really? Uh, rich vein of form. And, you know, we've, we've had to suffer a couple of injuries as well, which we'll talk about on the podcast this evening. But, like I say, we can't complain too much because we've had quite a few victories, haven't we, now? And Sunday's going to be the acid test, though, against Manchester City, isn't it? Yeah, most definitely. It's uh, it's not been the, the easiest on the eye as of the past few weeks, apart from the game on in midweek which we will get to shortly but um, we're just going to start back where we where we left off if you like we're talking a little bit about the the Merseyside derby game that um that was made the headlines for all the wrong reasons weren't it really with the with the, the VAR decisions and um red cards for Everton and injuries to our players so just give us a your brief overview of that um, that Merseyside derby, please, Jay. Well, yeah, I mean, going into the game, it was Everton's tails were up, weren't they? They were top of the table just after the international break and Liverpool had had to stew on such a heavy defeat, hadn't they, really, to Aston Villa? And, you know, going into the game, people were a little bit, I wouldn't say fearful, but it was probably one of the best opportunities that, you know, Everton had, had had for a while to beat Liverpool. I mean, I know they had the opportunity in the FA Cup game when Liverpool basically played a, a really understrength team with you know plenty of kids involved and they couldn't beat us then on that day and Liverpool ended up winning 1-0 through Curtis Jones. But you know, Carlo Ancelotti only really just took over at Everton and now, you know, we've seen at the start of the season he stamped his authority a little bit more on the club now. He's got a couple of signings that he wanted, so they were buoyant and very confident going into the Mays side derby, but Liverpool started off superbly well. I mean, scored very early on through Sadio Mane and then we obviously had that awful incident really with Jordan Pickford on Virgil van Dijk and scandalous really. I mean, it's just poor officiating because basically when they'd looked at the VAR and seen that van Dijk was marginally offside, they haven't realised then that they can go back to the incident that happened after that event where you know Pickford, it was just a reckless challenge, wasn't it, on van Dijk and you know, realistically speaking, we should have been playing against 10 men for, what, 80, 80 minutes of that game and already being 1-0 up. So Liverpool would have been a routine three points, three or four nil victory. And, you know, it was a disgrace really that they didn't really understand the rules properly, that they could have sent the, sent the goalkeeper off for his challenge after the event. I mean, you know, I made the point at the time, when you think about it, players get sent off after the final whistle for dissent, don't they? So, you know, what's the difference in... in you know, reprimanding someone for such a terrible foul, regardless of it whether it's offside or not. So, you know, it was a, it was a joke really, and it was a disgrace because it went against us. And obviously, we're we're out a key player now. He's been a mainstay of Liverpool's team for the last couple of years since we signed him. A fantastic player, and you know, a leader, isn't he? At the back, he organises things, and we're going to really miss him now between now and the end of the season. But you know, if we've just got to get on with things, and during the game. You know, you could see it's evident, really, that if teams are going to bombard Liverpool with set pieces and balls into the box, so free kicks and corners, we're going to be a little bit more susceptible now, purely because he was the main man at the back for for that type of thing, wasn't he? Really, and we've seen it with Everton; they, they got the equalising goal from, um, you know, it was poor defensively, really, by Liverpool, wasn't it? And Michael Keane got up to to score to equalise and. 
Adrian should, should have done better really because it was right at him but obviously he went through his hands and into the net and it was 1-1 but Liverpool was still really in control of the game and by far the better team really and you know we went in front of me midway through the second half through Mo Salah but we just couldn't hold on to it could we and you know, Everton came back again and this is what I was saying you know, no Van Dijk in the, in the side and the ball came over and Calvert-Lewin just left like a salmon really and you know headed their own for 2-2 and it's very frustrating really that Liverpool have been in control I know Everton had a, a few opportunities but Liverpool just dominated the game for me I thought it was a really good performance from us you know especially after on the back of a, of a massive defeat to Aston Villa and you know we kept on trying and plugging away and then obviously with 10 minutes to go um, Richarlison disgraceful challenge on Thiago I mean when you look at Pickford's challenge on Van Dijk I just think it's because he's a little bit a bit backwards to be honest he's a bit a bit daft isn't he um, Pickford I don't think he, he, he majorly intended on injuring Van Dijk I just think he, he threw himself really at the ball and he's caught Van Dijk and he, he's injured now whereas with Richarlison there was definite intent there on the challenge for Thiago it was a disgrace really and Quite rightly so, we got a red card and, you know, Liverpool were playing against 10 men for the last 10 minutes. But, you know, Thiago carried on, albeit he did carry on in the game. It was a scandalous challenge, really, and, and we're lucky, really, that he's not out for the rest of the season as well. Although we haven't seen him since, have we? But he did manage to carry on in the game and Liverpool were at full compliments, whereas Everton were down to 10 men. And right at the very end of the game, you know, another crazy... VAR call really Sadio Mane to me was nowhere near offside and you know it's fine margins once again and we thought Jordan Henderson had scored an injury time and got to deserve three points for us in the side derby and you know we were robbed at that moment as well so everything went wrong for us on the day I mean Liverpool did put in a really good performance thoroughly deserved to get the three points and after the game we were it felt like a defeat didn't it really because Although we didn't lose the game, it felt like we had because we got robbed at that moment at the end to get the winning goal, which would have been some saving grace really after the disgusting incidents in the game where you know two of our players got badly injured. Um, but Everton went against us and, and even that went against us as well. So although we got a point there at Goodison and normally you would say a point's not a not a bad point. You know, all things considered, it was very disappointing and it was heartbreaking really because of the way the manner of what happened at the very end of the game when, you know, we should really have, have been celebrating a winning goal in injury time. So it was just one of them things really. We we've, we can't really just dwell on it too much though. You know, we've got to move on from it and that's exactly what we have done and we'll go on to these next couple of games since then. But, you know, ever since then, Liverpool have just kept on winning. Um, but like I say, you know, it was frustrating that we never got the three points in the derby. Yeah, most definitely, Jay. And what we'll do, we'll carry on with the Premier League fixtures before we cover the uh, the Champions League game. So after Everton, we, we moved on to Sheffield United. With, with another tough game, wasn't it? Um, especially after losing Fabinho to another injury to the uh, to the squad. And then West Ham as well. So just talk through them two games, please, Jay. Oh, yeah, going into the Sheffield United game, I mean, They've started the season off pretty poorly, hadn't they, really? And I think they've only got one point so far. And going into that game, you know, you're just expecting Liverpool, yeah, no Virgil van Dijk at the back. But the games against Sheffield United are not the games that you're fearful of, really, because they're the type of team that you would probably expect Liverpool to beat. But because of van Dijk being injured, and, you know, obviously it's a situation that we've had to move Fabinho into the back line. It, we changed system. And we went like a four-two-three-one system, and basically it just it didn't really work. I mean, I've watched the game back every game we've had since. I've watched it back on LFC TV the next day, and basically we lacked control in the middle of the park. And Sheffield United, to be fair to them, Liverpool started the game well, and obviously we all know about yet another shocking incident where Fabinho won the ball. It wasn't even a foul. And it was right on the line at the edge of the box. Went to VAR, they gave a penalty. Liverpool had been in control of that game, should have been one or two nil up before that incident. And then, of course, they got the penalty, which, you know, I, I, yet again, injustice of it all, because it was, it was a clear challenge. Do you know what I mean? He, he won the ball for me. I thought it was a disgrace, really. It went against us yet again. Um, but, you know, obviously they went one nil up early on in the game. And Liverpool just were all over the place after that. I mean, Sheffield United had a couple of more shouts for penalties that, again, in my eyes, they weren't penalties at all. I mean, one was a, was a, 
it, it's Andy Robertson on the hand in the box, but he didn't move at all. He just hit him, do you know what I mean? It would have been a disgrace to give that. And then another one where Jota had sort of like left a leg in, and that's Sander Berg who scored the penalty. He, he played for it, really, do you know what I mean? So the correct decisions were made in them incidents for me. But they had other opportunities as well. McBurney had a chance. Liverpool were all over the place. We were really poor. Other than the first 15 minutes of that game, Liverpool were really poor in Sheffield United. In the second half, we got a little bit more commanding, really, and Liverpool got more of a foothold in the game. And then, for obvious reasons, we got the goal just before half-time anyway through Firmino, a tap-in. Um, and then, like, basically, we, we'd had a goal disallowed, didn't we? Um, and then Jota made Jota actually made it 2-1. But then we were hanging on again. And this is what I'm saying about the system, the 4-2-3-1 system. It didn't really work. We lacked the control in the middle of the park for me. And I just think when you haven't got Fabinho in the middle and you haven't got Thiago in the middle, you get a little bit overrun because obviously Fabinho's a proper defensive midfield player and breaks the play off well. And Thiago's dictated, he controls games of football. So when you're missing two key players like that in the middle of the park, it's very difficult to just play a, a two in there. Especially when you're talking the, the likes of players like Henderson and Wijnaldum, who've been so used to it the last three or four years playing in a Liverpool midfield. That's been a three-man Liverpool midfield. So I just thought we lacked control playing that system. It didn't really work. And and when you look at towards the end of that game, Sheffield United come on strong. And, and you could argue that they, they probably deserved a point in the game. They, they, they genuinely did test us at the very end. And you know Liverpool did well to hang on for the three points in that game. And you know, a vital three points, all things considered. And then, you know, obviously after that, we had um, West Ham. And like... Going into the West Ham game, Klopp had sort of, I think he'd figured out that the 4 2 3 1 system, we'd struggled with it to get to grips with it. I mean, it's all right trying to fit in four forward players like the usual front three of Mane, Salah, and Firmino. And then, of course, Jota's has been a fantastic signing, hasn't he? So, you know, it's great trying to fit all four into the team and shoehorn them into a system against teams like Sheffield United, and like like obviously the European team that we played, the Danish team, and of course West Ham, because they're all teams that you would expect Liverpool to beat. But, you know, it, it didn't really work, the 4 2 3 1 for me. We lacked control in the middle of the park. So against West Ham, he changed it. He went back to the 4 3 3 system, which I thought was the right move to make because, for obvious reasons, we need to be controlling games of football in the middle of the park. And to have three bodies in there, it's better than having the two. And, you know, Firmino dropping deep, it just, to me, it just hasn't worked. So you, you need to be playing the 4 3 3. And against West Ham, even though that was. A two-one victory, very similar to Sheffield United. So a narrow, a narrow win and a goal that we got the winning goal towards the end of the game. I thought Liverpool totally controlled it and dominated the game. I mean, we went behind early on, did me four nils. I mean, very disappointing, really. That you look at the the goal we conceded. Joe Gomez was poor header, really, wasn't it? And four nils struck in into the corner and Phillips missed the initial header didn't he but other than that he didn't put a foot wrong in the game he was fantastic Phillips I mean obviously Fabinho ended up getting an injury didn't he so he's had to come out of the sides Joel Matip's made a prone crackers and he's only just come back to training now so Liverpool have struggled with, with players to play there Reese Williams has come off the bench a few times to play um, but obviously he went with Phillips and it, it was the right choice really in the end because he, he, was, he was very commanding in the air and he was superb and he ended up getting man of the match on the night, but I thought I thought Jordan Henderson was the man of the match because he controlled the midfield for me with the extra body in there. Curtis Jones had a good performance by him as well. But again, you know, Liverpool had a goal disallowed just before they actually got the winning goal through Diogo Jota, and you know, it was a thoroughly deserved three points. I mean, you know, there's been much talk about the the most solid incident for the penalty, but I think it's an absolute disgrace, really. I mean, what's he meant to do? Yeah, maybe you could say it was a little bit theatrical, but if 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 a, a defender kicks a, a forward in the box and he doesn't get the ball, then 100% it's a penalty. So I think the uproar that's that's followed it ever since is an absolute disgrace, really. And you know, you, you got the, the likes of um, Harry Kane being cute and clever apparently for winning a penalty for Tottenham in their game but at the end of the day what he'd done was was in my opinion that was a foul on Lallana because he, he knew exactly what he was doing um, 
but nothing was said about Harry Kane, was it? Whereas, oh, Mo Salah, you know, he, he's a diver, he's a cheat, he's this, he's that. Oh, why? Because he's foreign. You know, at the end of the day, I'm not being funny, nothing, but you, you get kicked in the box, it's a foul, it's a penalty, do you know what I mean? So the uproar that followed after it, you know, David Moyes was first to say it, then them clowns on match of the day, Sheeran and Danny Murphy, and also, you know, on talks, boy, you had Cascarino having a go, absolutely clueless, and and it's a form of racism, really, it is, I mean, they're talking about all this Black Lives Matter stuff now, and all the, you know, kick it out and all that, but it's pure and simply because he's foreign. Harry Kane's been diving left, right and centre for years, but not really much gets said about him. It's clever, it's cute, it's intelligent, forward play. If Mo Salah does it, he's a cheat, he's a fa- it's a foreign disease. It's an absolute disgrace, but like I say, Liverpool got the three points against West Ham and deservedly so. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Jay, especially, um, like you say, that incident with, with Lallana. Kane's actually had a little look where Adam Lallana is, and as he's jumped, he knows exactly what he's doing. He's put his body in there, backed into him, Forcing Alana to to go over it. It's one of them injuries. If he comes down, he he could easily break a neck there. He could easily break break a, a collarbone. Anything like that. It's a very very dangerous move if you like, um, and one which which should be clamped down on. But like you say, Harry Kane, England international, gets looked after by the FA, gets left alone. Mo Salah coming from a different country, obvious targets. So yeah, I think you're, you're spot on and say. They do need to, to get off Mo's back and, and, and look at other things that's going on in, in and around the game, not just um, from Liverpool players. But yeah, we'll move on to the... Um, before we get our West Ham fan on, we'll move on to our two other Champions League games, which was against Midgetland at home and the the fantastic performance against uh, Atalanta. At- Sorry, Jay. So yeah, do you want to talk us through them ones? It was three, wasn't he? Because we played Ajax away as well, just after the Merseyside derby. So, I mean, yeah, when yeah. we went to Ajax, I mean, I must admit, I know they're not the Ajax of a couple of seasons ago that came very close to getting to the European Cup final after losing to, you know, Tottenham over two legs in the semi-final. But they still, it was, it was a, going to be a daunting trip, I thought, you know, with all things considered, with Virgil van Dijk being out injured and having to play a midfield at a centre-half and stuff, but Liverpool, I have to say, were, were brilliant. It, was, it wasn't it was just about the them issues, though, it was the goalkeeping issue. We all know Adrian's not a very good goalkeeper at all, and, you know, going to somewhere like Ajax with him in goal didn't really instil much confidence. But to be fair, on the night, he did make a good save, um, and, and Liverpool really we could have scored two or three couldn't we in the second half I mean we were hitting them on a counter attack and we were so unlucky really I mean after an hour Klopp decided to make the changes didn't he he, he, he took, took all the front three off and put Jota Minamino and Shaqiri on and you know they were, they were outstanding in the last half an hour of that game and Liverpool could really have put two or three past them um, but you know it was, it was great to dig in and grind out the results it was an own goal in the first half that put that gave us the lead, but Liverpool were well a better team for me. Um, but then Fabinho did have to clear one off the line, didn't he as well? And you know, towards the end of the first half, but you know they did come on strong. Strong Ajax put a little bit of pressure on us, but Liverpool you know, held firm and as I say, could have scored a few more on a counter attack. So it was great really to get off to such a good start, you know, in 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 the Champions League group, and you know probably. I mean, obviously, Atalanta as well, free-scoring free, free team we were expecting. You know, Atalanta away and Ajax away, the two toughest games in the group, really. And to go to Ajax and win 1-0 but it was a great performance and a great result for us. And then we moved on to the, the ones who we'd expect to be the whipping boys of the group. Um, Midtjylland, from, from, you know, obviously making the debut in the Champions League, the Danish champions. And, you know, I think a lot of people were expecting Liverpool to win 4-5-0 or five nil against them, but... It wasn't the case at all, and this is what I was saying before about the system four two three one. It didn't really, it didn't really work. It didn't suit us. We didn't have the control in the middle of the park for me, and it was a really poor game in general. And um, you know, obviously, we managed to get the breakthrough in the second half through Diogo Jota once again, and then to to wrap it up at the very end, we got a penalty, didn't we? Which Mo Salah dispatched to make it two nil to flatter us. To be truthful, it was a, a flattering scoreline because they had a chance early on and they should have done better from it. And they had a chance at the very end just before we got the penalty. So, so 
we could easily have, have drawn that game. There's no two ways about it. Liverpool were really poor on the night, but you know we got the job done. We got another three points and you know a, a clean sheet as well. And then the, obviously we've we've just had the game against Atalanta as well. Now going into that game, I I, I tweeted about it saying a tough. This I'm expecting a tough examination of the defence now because for obvious reasons we've got issues where. Fabinho being out injured as well as obviously Virgil who's probably going to miss the rest of the season with an ACL but also the fact that you know Phillips had come into the side and done really well against West Ham but he, he wasn't available for selection for this game against Atalanta so it meant Liverpool really had no no choice but to play young Reese Williams there a 19 year old kid who's hardly played for us so it was Going into that game, you were a little bit fearful. Not that you didn't trust the lad to put in a good performance, just more the fact that he's young and inexperienced and you'd expect us to come under a lot of pressure because Atalanta over the last couple of seasons have been so free-flowing, scored goals for fun, really unbelievable to watch. But they do concede goals. So going into the game, you were expecting it to be a, a goal feast. And that's exactly what it was, but it was all one-way traffic, wasn't it? And, you know, I think it, the, the results surprised a few people really and well, Liverpool were just sensational on the night you know to to win 5-0 against any team is special but to win 5-0 in Europe I mean I know there's no fans at games so it takes the edge off it a little bit but Italy's a notoriously difficult place to go and get a result so to go there and win 5-0 keep a clean sheet against a team that scored goals for fun thought it was very impressive and no, they did have the chances. I mean, Zapata had, a, had probably three really good opportunities to score. And, you know, he fluffed his lines a few times and Alisson made a couple of good saves. And, you know, Liverpool were, were just breathtaking, though, going forward. And Diogo Jota's been a sensational sign. He got a hat-trick on the night and, you know, seven goals in ten games. And what's remarkable is five of them games are off the bench as well. He's an unbelievable player, isn't he? I mean, I really did like him. You know, when he was at Wolves anyway, to be fair, but you know, no one could envision like the start he's had to his Liverpool career. It's just been sensational, really. And he's just so cool and calm in front of goal, brilliant player, you know, blistering pace. And it's what we've been crying out for, really. And it's not to do, you know, for me, you know, any disservice at all, but his goals have dried up. I mean, he still works really hard for the team, his link play, he's an invaluable member of the team, isn't he? There's no doubt about that. Um, but his goals have dried up. I think he's got two in 25 games and it's just not good enough, do you know what I mean, for a number nine, no matter what other other areas of the team that he helps us out with and how hard he works for the team, you have to be scoring more goals than that. And, you know, Jota's come in there and got seven and ten and, as I say, got a hat-trick in Europe and absolutely outstanding, really. He could have had another one as well on the night. So, you know, we could have been talking about four or five goals for the one player there and, you know, Mo Salah's got his token goal in Europe and he's our record scorer now, isn't he, in European competition and in the European Cup. And, you know, like I say, he could have had another one as well, really, couldn't he? Um, Sadio Mane also got on the score sheet. And as I say, Liverpool playing the 4-3-3 system, it's worked a treat because the 4-2-3-1 for me, we lack controlling games. But, you know, reverting back to, to type, if you like, that you know, the system that we know and it's it's tried and trusted, isn't it? And Liverpool, a fantastic performance against Atalanta. Atalanta, and as I say, to win five nil, three wins out of three, three clean sheets, and we're on nine points now. And we're definitely going to get through to the knockout stages. There's no doubt about that. And you know we can concentrate now on this game against Manchester City at the weekend. Time to fire up the grill. Time to go to Total Wine and find the perfect flavor to pair with those burgers. Ooh, I love their beer cooler. <laughs> you love their prices even more. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. Right, so uh, yeah, that's uh, uh, Jay's review of the the previous Premier League games and the Champions League games that we've um, just had the past month. So now we're going to move on to the Manchester City Preview and joining us once again is Joe Doherty. People who've listened to our podcast in the in the past will recognise Joe as our regular Manchester City guest. He's been with us now three, four seasons, and uh, always a pleasure to have you on, Joe. So, how are you, fella? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Thanks for having me on again. Pleasure to be back. Good stuff. Yeah, and we're just gonna 
uh, start off with the with the situation with Manchester City and the the current injury problems that you have yourselves. Obviously, Jesus is one player that's uh, um, that's missed out recently, but I think he was possibly back on the bench, was he midweek? And you've also got uh, a question mark over the fitness of Sergio Aguero, who's been out with a I think it's a hamstring um, problem, isn't it? So, just give us your thoughts on uh, how City are gonna be lining up on um, on Sunday, Joe, with with these taking into account these injuries. Yeah, so I think um, Aguero's pretty much got no chance of playing, but um, Jesus actually came off the bench on Tuesday in the um, in the Champions League, and he scored a very good goal. So I'm really hoping he'll be starting through the middle for this game because we've really lacked a sort of like a, a f- the final product. We've lacked a spearhead to the attack. And he will bring us exactly that. I mean, Torres has looked quite good playing in the centre. His movement's very good. But if we can get someone natural like Jesus playing there, all the better for it. Because we were playing Sterling there a bit. And as I'm sure you guys will know just as well as anyone, is as, as good as he is on the wing, I, I really don't rate him playing through the middle. Because if he, if he has to think too much, he'll, he'll miss chances. Um but yeah, a bit of a sway from tradition from me on here. And um, it's the attack I'm a little bit more worried about. And I'm actually quite happy with the defence. I think we'll go into the game with. I've been very impressed with Diaz since we signed him. Him and Laporta are like a really good pairing. And uh, Carl Walker's had an excellent uh, run of games lately. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with what will be the back four. Uh, looking into the midfield, um, obviously De Bruyne's first name on the team sheet. But I also really hope that Phil Foden plays because obviously coming up against Liverpool, they're very good at the high press. They're very energetic. They keep going for 90 minutes and we need someone who can match that. And Foden does bring a lot of energy to the team in that respect. So I really hope we go with him in midfield. So uh, yeah, it should be a very good game. So yeah, thanks for that then, Joe. Okay then, Jay, moving over to um, the potential lineup for Liverpool this, um, this coming Sunday. Obviously, with uh, with Van Dijk and Fabinho missing, we've got the the centre back position to fill in, and then you've also got your um, your midfield three, haven't you? Or, or possibly two and a one. It, it all depends on how, how Jurgen Klopp sees this. You've got the form of uh, Diogo Jota, who, who's absolutely flying, like we, we've just talked about before, with seven goals in ten games, hat, coming off the back of a hat trick. You can't. Uh, uh, you can't drop him in, in any situation, can you, for me? And obviously Bobby Firmino's likely to come back into the side. So what's what's the situation for you? Does he go with, with all four of them, Salah, Firmino, Mane and Jota? Or do you see one of them sitting this out? What's your take on it, Jay? Well, look, you know, I just think I touched on it before, didn't I, with the system, the four-two-three-one or the four-three-three, and... I honestly just don't think we've got the midfield personnel to, to play all four of them against City because if Liverpool play 4-2-3-1 against City, I just think we'll get overrun in midfield. This is the acid test, make no mistake. It's great that Liverpool have gone on a run and built a bit of confidence up of winning five games on the spin in all competitions ever since the injuries that we suffered to Van Dijk and Thiago and also Fabinho now. But to go into this game against Man City... It's notoriously always a tough game and I just think Liverpool need that extra body in the middle of the park just for control really in the game. I mean, you've got to look and consider going into this game, it seems unlikely that Thiago and Fabinho are going to are gonna start it because neither of them trained on Thursday, so there's only a couple of days before the game. Fabinho was always an outside chance anyway because obviously when he got the injury Klopp said it's not as bad as first feared he might only be out for a couple of weeks but it does seem unlikely he's going to play in this game so straight away not only are we missing Virgil van Dijk who's the leader at the back we're also missing arguably the best defensive midfield player on the planet in Fabinho and then if Thiago doesn't train on Friday then no, it's highly unlikely that he's going to play in the game. And once again, it's another world-class footballer that Liverpool are going to be lacking. A different type of player, someone who can put his foot on the ball and control a game of football. So to go into this game against, I still don't care what anyone else says, the title is going to be out of Liverpool and Man City. They've been by far and away the two best teams in the Premier League for the last two, two years. And I don't see that changing this season either. But to go into this game against your nearest rivals... 
without three world-class footballers and players who were basically central to your plans. Obviously, the leader at the back, the, the holder and the protector in front of the back four and, and the, the controller of the game of football who puts his foot on the ball and dictates. To be missing them three key players, it's tough. It's going to be really tough. And some might say the best place, the best way to play against Man City is to fight fire with fire and go at them. Now, I would agree with that probably last season at times, but I think this season they've shown signs of they're a lot better defensively. I think it's been a bit of a masterstroke putting Cancelo at left-back because he's a lot better defender than what Mendy is. Kyle Walker, as Joe said, has had a really good start of the season. They've also got Diaz and Laporte centre-half pairing. Now, Diaz hasn't really started great. He's made a couple of mistakes in certain games, but... Obviously, he's a lot better than the likes of Arthur Menzi, who's moved on to pastures new, and John Stones, who aren't great defenders. So, when you think about it, they're a lot more solid at the back. And I just think, you know, to put Liverpool to play all four of the forward players, I just can't see Klopp doing it. And and it's as mad as it seems after getting a hat-trick in midweek against Atalanta. I just think Firmino coming to the side instead of Jota, I really do. And it's purely down to the fact that with Firmino, it's the big game experience, isn't it? Liverpool are probably not going to have as much control in the game in terms of possession. So basically, we have to defend from the front in this game and we have to work hard. And, and if there's one thing that Firmino is still brilliant at doing, is that. But that is the thing. It's like, yes, Jot is fantastic. He scored seven in 10 games, whereas Bobby scored, what, two in 20 odd games. So when it comes to scoring goals, of course, you'd be selecting Jot all day long. And personally, I'd like to see him start himself in this game, but he's not used to this big game feel, is he? The games against Manchester City that we've had up and down the years, the last couple of seasons. And, you know, you know what Klopp's are like. He tends to go with the tried and trusted methods. And, I just, I just see it being Mane on the left, Salah on the right, and, and Firmino down the centre, and Liverpool are going to have to have three in midfield, and I, I just, I simply just can't see Jota starting. And I know there'll be fans out there who, who disagree and think it's a joke, and, and and look, I'm not too happy about that myself, but I just think if I know Klopp the way he works, the way he deals with things, to me that's the that's the the front three he's going to choose, and it won't have Jota in it. And then when you look at the midfield three, I mean. Mass, as I say, I can't stress enough how much of a blow it is if Thiago misses out. And with Fabinho also missing out in the game, you're going to have Henderson and Wijnaldum as shoe-ins to play in the middle of the park. But who's the third body? Because the last two games against Atalanta away and against West Ham at home, it's been young Curtis Jones. Now, we know Klopp isn't shy in terms of giving young kids opportunities. We've seen it with Reese Williams, you know, obviously only only the other night in, in, in Europe at Atalanta. We've seen it in the past with Trent Alexander-Arnold coming in at right-back. Curtis Jones, as I just said, started the last two games, but I just can't see him starting in a, in a game of this such a big you know, magnitude that it is. It's such a massive game. So you're looking at, you know, Cater or, or James Milner. Now, people will probably be, be throwing their headsets off listening to this, like when I've <laughs> mentioned James Milner, because, you know, he does look like his legs have gone. But the thing with Milner... Yet again, a bit like Firmino, it's the big game experience that he's got. And obviously, yeah. like that cute, cuteness in games. And also, there was a stat against, I think it was Ajax, where he covered the most yards. I mean, he might be 34 years of age, but he covered the most ground in that game against Ajax. Now, look, me personally, from an outsider looking in, it does seem to me like his legs have gone a little bit. He does seem a little bit slower than ever before. He does seem to miss time tackles a little bit more than he did last season or the season before. But I just I just think the way Klopp is, because it's such a big game, he's going to want to keep things tight. And that's why we sh- I'd be very, very surprised if he plays all four and we go 4-2-3-1. And like I say, I'd be very surprised if he, if he chucks a young kid in like Curtis Jones in, in such a big game. It's different playing against the European team or it's different playing where you get a little bit more time on the ball or you're playing against a team like for Agency West Ham at Anfield do the home comforts but to go away to Manchester City I know there's no fans there but what I'm saying is to go away to Man City in such a massive game to play a 19-year-old Curtis Jones in it I just can't see that happening so he's going to go with, with the tried and trusted and whether that's Milner or whether that's Cater, I'm not so sure, but I think that's what it's going to be. I think it'll be 4-3-3. Three, three. 
and people may not be happy about it, but I just think that's just the way Klopp will go because Liverpool go 4-2-3-1 in this game and there's no Thiago and Fabinho in the middle of the park. We will get overrun and I fear for us, I really do, because the only good thing I will say is Matip's going to be back for the game. So mm. hopefully he'll start centre-half with Gomez. Nothing against Reese Williams because... You know, he, he didn't really do anything wrong against Atalanta. But as I said before, a 19-year-old playing centre-half against Man City, it's just not going to happen. And, you know, like I say, that Phillips was very good against West Ham. But against West Ham, he was put into the team because of his aerial ability, because he's really good in the air. And it worked a treat. You know, West Ham didn't really threaten us in the game. Um Whereas Man City's a little bit different because Man City get the ball on the ground and play football and try and play it off the park really and create opportunities and get patient behind you with the likes of Mares and Stale and, and obviously the creativity of Kevin De Bruyne as well. And if Jesus is back for the game, that's another factor. And also Torres, who's been playing up front the odd occasion, he's quite quick as well. So when you think about it, Liverpool don't need someone who's an aerial presence. We need someone who's got the tactical nous, who's experienced at the back, who knows how... It's all about the margins, positional sense, and I think Joel Matip will come into the side to partner Joe Gomez. But like I say, the, the major dilemma for me, I don't even think it's a dilemma for Klopp with, with Jota or Firmino because I just you just know he's going to go with Firmino. I think it's the midfield who, who is going to be that third body in the middle of the park. Now look, let's hope and pray that Thiago trains on Friday because if he does, then fantastic and he potentially could start but it does look very doubtful at this moment in time and if he doesn't play then you know it's going to be one Alden for his energy levels Henderson because obviously there's know-how in the middle of the park to be able to put his foot on the ball and he's the captain at the end of the day leads by example but it's whoever the other body's going to be so is it going to be Keita because to me he still flatters to deceive he's still at times too anonymous in games, the invisible man, yet he comes out high on stats and stuff, but he doesn't really influence the game enough for me. Um, and, and like Milner, as I say, I've got my reservations about him, 34 years of age, but ultimately he's, he, he's got the big game experience and people call it the Brexit midfield and that's exactly what it is. But, it, you know, that, I just think Klopp is, if, if Thiago's unavailable for him on the weekend, his hands are tied a little bit to what he can try because I just think it'll be too kamikaze to go with the 4 forwards. I really do. Because like I say, Man City have improved a lot defensively, apart from that Leicester game where it was a, it was a bit of a freak game. Same way as our Aston Villa 7-2 defeat was a bit of a freak game. Other than that, Man City have not really conceded many goals this season. They've been a lot more solid than seasons gone by, shall we say. So, I just think realistically speaking Liverpool need to defend from the front on Sunday and start from the number nine position and, and to be honest there's no better man to do it than Firmino and it will be harsh on Jota it really will but unfortunately I just think that's the way Klopp will go into this game Is there no way you, you can foresee Jota starting this game then Jake because for me his, his form you, he's you, you can't drop him, in my opinion. I just think he's got to play this game. Is there is there any way you can see him? Where can we squeeze him in? Can you even play him as that number nine with, with Firmino behind him? Maybe drop Bobby a little bit deeper? Because for me, he's got to start the game. Well, he's not going to play on the left instead of Mane. He's no. not going to play on the right instead of Salah. Like I say, the only position... Liverpool have got to... In my opinion, on Sunday, Liverpool have got to play 4-3-3. Because... I know this is a bold statement, but if Liverpool play 4-2-3-1 on Sunday, we'll get beat because we'll be too open in midfield. We'll lack control in the game. We'll get totally dominated and they'll knock on the door and they'll knock on the door. No matter how well Liverpool defend, we'll concede a couple of goals. It's as simple as that. So we have to play 4-3-3. And the reason why I say that is to have more control in the games. You'd only have to look back to the last four games of football we had. When we played against Sheffield United and Mitchell and their own, we went 4-2-3-1. And we just lacked control in the game. We were lucky to win both of them games. We were poor in both of them. Now, when he changed system to 4-3-3 against West Ham and, and the game against Atalanta, the 4-3-3 against West Ham, you're looking at it thinking, well, we only won 2-1 and we scored an 85th-minute winner by Jota. Liverpool control the game. That's what I'm saying. Liverpool, that, that goal was always coming, in my opinion, because Liverpool were, were bossing it. I think we had 78% possession in the game. We totally controlled the game because we had the extra body in midfield. We were playing 4-3-3 instead of the 4-2-3-1 system. And then we carried that on 
when we went into Europe against Atalanta playing 4-3-3 and it worked a treat and we scored five goals and won 5 nil. and I know what you're saying listen I don't want Jota to be left out the team he's been sensational he's, he's obviously scoring goals for fun and strike while he irons off because his confidence is up I get all that but my point is we're playing against Man City here we're not playing against a team like a West Ham or a Sheffield United or a Michelin or, we're playing a top top team here Make no mistake, Man City is still a very, very good side. So to, for Liverpool to play 4-2-3-1 without Thiago and without Fabinho in the middle of the park, we're going to struggle because we struggled against Sheffield United at times and against Michelin at times. So imagine what it'd be like against City. It simply can't happen. It's all right saying put Jota as the nine and, and, and maybe bring Firmino deep. But it's still, he's not a midfielder at the end of the day, is he? he? He's a false nine or a number 10. He's not a midfielder. So at the end of the day, regardless of, his, of him working hard in the team, as proven against Sheffield United and as proven against Michelin, Liverpool have actually struggled when we've played the 4-2-3-1 system with the personnel we've got available. It just doesn't work. We've lacked control in the middle of the park. We've lacked control in the games. We've been far too open being exposed we could have conceded two against Michelin's a poor Danish side you know what I mean who were making the debuts in the Champions League against Sheffield United we got away with it really they had quite a lot of opportunities so you can't in my eyes you can't go into a game against Man City and play that open in middle in the middle and Klopp just won't have it because he will want to have control in the middle of the park now the only way I would see Liverpool play in the 4-2-3-1 against City is if Thiago's fit and available to start the game because he's a, he's a game changer altogether because he will control a game of football. He'll put his foot on the ball. He'll keep it simple. He won't, he won't lose the ball. He'll, he'll keep it. He'll, he'll pass it. He'll be sensible with his passing. Liverpool haven't really got that. When you've got Wijnaldum and Henson, they're so used to playing in a 4-3-3. They're so used to playing in a three-man midfield. So to expect them to play in a two-man midfield against you know, the second-best team in the country, it, it's too big of an ask for me. It really is when you consider what's gone previously against Sheffield United, against Michelin in Europe. It didn't work. So I just cannot see us playing 4-2-3-1 on, on Sunday against Man City. So that means because of the, the vital role that Firmino plays in the team in these big games, he's a sure starter for me. And that means, unfortunately, Jota would be on the bench. Love your propane grill? Well, life just got a little easier with Propane Taxi. Stop lugging that tank. Propane Taxi is a propane grill tank home delivery service that's ridiculously easy and convenient. Just go online, choose a delivery date, and Propane Taxi delivers grill tanks straight to your door. You can exchange any brand of tank. And right now, new customers get their first tank exchange for $10 with promo code TANK10. That's $10 for your first tank exchange with promo code TANK10. Visit PropaneTaxi.com. No no contact, no commitment, no problem. Yeah, gonna be uh, really interesting, isn't, isn't it, to see what um, what lineup clock goes with on um, on Sunday. So yeah, um, kept you waiting for a little while there, Joe. So Joe, just give us a, a little insight into Manchester City's recent form and um, how they've been doing in the Premier League and that Champions League game they've just had, Joe. Well, I think um, our forms our forms been a bit different this season so far. Like Jay said, we had that freak game against Leicester. And then we had a couple of frustrating results. Like we had that Leeds game that we probably should have won. We had the game at West Ham where we started very slowly and only managed a point. But otherwise, we've had um, we've had some good results as well. But they've been um, they've not been like we're used to. Like obviously, in the last couple of seasons, there's been a lot of big score lines. We've been blowing teams off the park. We've had some quite professional wins so far this season. Um, we had the we've, in the Champions League. We've just you know. We've won all three games re- relatively comfortably, uh, got what we needed. We've had, I thought we've had a couple of decent hard-fought results in the Premier League as well. You know, we beat Arsenal 1-0 in a game where they threatened us a fair bit and on another day probably would have got a point. So I was pretty happy with that. And then the Sheffield United game the other day, again, it was only 1-0, but we controlled the game for long periods and they had their keeper to thank for keeping the score down. Um and obviously, it was it was great to see Carl Walker get that goal against his old club. But um, no, so far this season, it's it's we haven't exactly set the world alight. I don't think since the opening game when we beat Wolves quite comfortably. But since then, it's just been a case of we've just done almost the bare minimum, if you like. We get we get the goal, 
and then we've been defending pretty well. So like like um, like Jay was saying, we've looked a lot more solid in defence, which I think will be a big factor in this game at the weekend because one of our problems recently when playing you guys is no matter how we set up, no matter how we play, we often find ourselves 2-0 down after about 20 minutes and that's game over. So obviously in this game, it will hopefully be quite different if we're defending well and keeping your your you know your front three at bay. And obviously your front three have been on very good form again this season. You've added Jota to it to, to make it even more so. But I mean, I'm quite relieved that um, Laporte's going to be playing and Diaz is going to be playing. And if if we've got a decent back four out, I think we'll do a decent job of stopping you doing what you usually do to us. And um, and yeah, it, I think as well, a big factor in some of our games has been the midfield we've played. Uh, we've had a lot of games this season where we've played two defensive midfielders and it's really slowed us down in the middle of the park. If I, th- I think if we go with either Gundogan or Rodri in the six role, if you like, playing the sort of quarterback role, with De Bruyne and Foden or Bernardo in midfield, we can we can control if we can control the midfield as well, which we did in the last few games when we've played that sort of formation. I think we've got a decent chance of getting a result at the weekend. Okay, cheers, Joe. Okay, then, lads. Before we um, we end the show, what we'll, we always do is do our our score predictions, don't we? So. Seeing as how Manchester City are the home side this weekend, we're going to get you up first, Joe, and give us your thoughts on a score prediction and your your reasons for them, please. Well, the last few last couple of times I've been on this show, I've got the I've got the winning team correct, and uh, I think this time last year I got the exact score right when I said three one to you guys. I'm going to go with. I think this game will be a lot tighter than it has been in recent years. Um, that's not to say we haven't had some close games, but obviously I think they've been quite exciting ones. I can think I can see this game being a lot more cagey, especially as there's not as much at stake at the moment. And you know, I think I think either side would probably be okay with a draw. Um, as it happens, I think I think it's quite a good time for us to play you guys. Like obviously, you have got some very important injuries. Obviously, Van Dyke's goes about saying he's the best defender in the world and he's going to be a huge miss against us and I think if we can control the midfield as well I think we'll win 2-1 So Joe is going with a 2-1 in the favour of Manchester City Okay then uh, Jay give us your thoughts on a a score prediction and uh, your reasons for them as well please Well look it's going to be a, a tough Afternoon for Liverpool, really, because as I said before, when any team missing three world class footballers, it's a big ask anyway, isn't it? In a big game of football against the top team, and you know, Liverpool have got some other very good footballers in the team as well, though. So, you know, we can't sort of like underestimate our own potential going into this game. But like I say, it's all about the, the this team selection for me, and I just can't see Klopp going, as I said before, going with the four. You know, it's it's very adventurous, isn't it, to, to play with all four against Man City. So I just think he'll try and keep it tight, really. And as I said before, defend from the front. And, and, and I, I have to say, if Liverpool can win the game, absolutely fantastic. It'd be, it'd be brilliant for Liverpool moving forward. I know it's an international break after this and, you know, it's one of them, isn't it? The confidence we'll get from it will be halted a little bit because it's two weeks then before we play again. But I just think Liverpool can win this game and put a little bit more daylight between us and our nearest contenders, which I, which I still say is Manchester City, regardless of when you look at the league table at this moment in time. You know, I, I only really take notice of the table properly after at least 10 games, but normally about 15 games, to tell you the truth. So, you know, like I say, it's one of them. I just think Liverpool can put a little bit of daylight between us and them now. It'd be fantastic. But I have to be honest with the players that we've got missing. This is the acid test now. I mean, Liverpool have had five really good victories ever since Virgil van Dijk's been out injured. But we haven't faced a team like Manchester City and it's going to be really tough for me going there on Sunday. So I'd be made up with a point, I really would. So... I'm going to go for, I can see goals, I really can, because as I say, Liverpool defensively, it's not just the, the back four, it, it's the defensive fronts in the midfield, really the defensive midfield, with Fabinho missing the game as well. I can just see City scoring a couple of goals in the game, so it's really important that our forwards are clinical when the opportunities come and they've got the shooting boots on, and whether that be Jota 
as a starter, as you want, Peter, and I do myself, but I just can't see it happening. Or whether it be jotted off the bench, which I think is probably more likely, you know, just hopefully he can carry on his rich vein of, you know, goal scoring form and Liverpool do manage to score a couple themselves. So my prediction, I'm going to go for a Desmond 2 2. Yeah, so Jay's going for a Desmond, Desmond 2 2. Um, my own thoughts on the game, yeah, I, I pretty much agree with both, uh, both what the lads are saying there. Like Joe says, it's going to be a bit more of a cagey affair. I don't think it's going to be one of these these high-scoring games that we've seen previously. And like Jay says, it, it all depends on what sort of tactical game Liverpool play, what sort of formation we go with, what's the personnel. And yeah, it, it's all pretty much up in the air. But if if we go with the likelihood that Jay says we're going to go with the 4-3-3 with, with Diego Jota, Coming off the bench, I can see it. I can see it being one-one till late on, and then I think with the pace of Jota coming off that bench, it could be our, our secret weapon. And I can just see us just nicking and nicking the three points with a with a two-one victory. And especially after that Atalanta game, I think we're going into this very confident. I think City will have looked at that game, Guardiola, and think, well, if, if Liverpool play like that again, they're going to take uh, they're going to take some stop. And no matter how Manchester City play, and if we can continue like that, I I really do give us every chance of winning the game. So I'm going to go with a with a two one victory for Liverpool in this game. Might be a brave one, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. So just before we end the show, we always say a big thanks to the lads at LFC Day Trippers. Gav had a few little hiccups during our, our show tonight, so. He's going to have a little bit of work to do on the um, editing, unfortunately. Um, don't forget to keep up to date with the No More Knives campaign, like we say all the time. Uh, hashtag No More Knives. Paul Bentley, all the people over there doing some great work, and especially during the lockdown, now catch up with them and make sure everything's uh, running smoothly and keep up to date with the campaign. So, yeah, thanks very much for, for joining me, you two lads. Much appreciated. Yeah, no problem at all. Always good to talk about a footy and, you know, preview such a big game and hopefully come Sunday evening we're celebrating a red victory. But, you know, like I say, I'd take a point all day long. Okay. Yeah, thanks again, Joe. Great stuff, lads. Yeah, so that's the cop table preview of the Manchester City versus Liverpool game. We have an international break coming up after, after this game. So, everybody... Out there, stay safe. Keep in touch with uh, with each other. Stay, keep a check on the people who who are vulnerable and things like that. And during this lockdown period, all, all look after ourselves and and take care of one another. So yeah, we'll be back um, probably towards mid November. Myself and Jay with another podcast. There's there's not much else to do during the lockdown other than watch football and stuff like that. Is there? So yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, we'll get through this this one nice and quick and get back to, to some sort of normality as, as soon as possible so yeah thanks everybody for listening to the cop table podcast and uh, we'll speak to you all very soon this podcast is brought to you by progressive are you thinking more about how to tighten up your budget these days drivers who save by switching to progressive save over 700 dollars on average and customers can qualify for an average of six discounts when they sign up a little off your rate each month goes a long way get a quote today at progressive.com progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates national annual average insurance savings by new customers surveyed in 2020 potential savings will vary discounts vary and are not available in all states and situations Are you still mixing station gas and oil for your string trimmer, leaf blower, or chainsaw? Eliminate the mess and the guesswork with TrueFuel, the original pre-mixed two-cycle fuel. TrueFuel is ethanol-free and precision-engineered for small engines, improving performance, and extending the life of your outdoor power equipment. And TrueFuel is available for both two- and four-cycle engines. Empower your equipment with TrueFuel. Available at your local home and garden center today. Sports Social Podcast Network.